Hello and welcome to this week's journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm Adelina Chobano and in today's episode we discuss interactive data journalism. What makes a graphic interactive? How and where to get started if you have no prior knowledge of coding or handling data? And what are some of the challenges you can face in the learning process? Data journalism is no longer a specialism and most digital journalists entering any newsroom nowadays will be expected to either show familiarity with data skills, at least on a basic level, or a willingness to acquire them. But if you want to add a different dimension with interactive graphics, either to provide context to a story or highlight a particular aspect of it, where should you start? Alexandra Vizhnevska, interactive data journalist at the Financial Times, says basic data wrangling skills should be a priority to avoid getting into a position where the data ends up being detrimental to your story rather than adding value. I guess on my end, I would definitely say that there are three things that prove very important to me in my job. And the first of them is definitely basic data analysis and data wrangling skills. You have to be confident in what you're doing with the data, not to be dangerous to your story. Then the second part is definitely data visualization. So once you have the story, how to best tell it visually, what is the best chart for this particular data set that you managed to create. And then the third one would be cartography because we deal a lot with maps online and every single publication creates a lot of maps on a daily basis from locator maps to like massive interactive projects. So the starting point can be an interesting data set that came across and you think is unique and also a hypothesis and then you looking for data to back it up or basically refute it. There is no rule, I guess. It really depends on the story you're telling and it's really important to remember that these days every digital journalist is sort of expected to be able to work with a readily available data set and what sets you really apart is if you can come up with your own original data set whether by scraping or compiling it yourself over time so this would definitely be something I would recommend to newbies come up with original stories and compile your own data set sometimes it's time consuming sometimes it requires scraping but there are so many tools that it's not that difficult Once you've become more confident in working with data, deciding which type of interactives you would like to work on and having a specific project in mind that you'd like to develop or recreate for practice will come in handy when trying to figure out which programming languages you need to learn. I think a lot of the choices will depend on what sort of stories you would like to work on. If you'd like to focus on data and quantitative analysis, data analysis and scraping will become vital. And programming languages like R suddenly become invaluable and because you can both scrape and do all of your data analysis in the same space. If you'd like to do more on the coding and website building and you're probably better off honing your HTML, CSS and JavaScript and learning perhaps even about the backend programming, It is worth remembering, I think, it's really hard to do everything and to learn everything and finding a niche and working on it is very important, especially at the beginning when you want to produce a couple of showcase pieces to build your portfolio. So I would say think about what think about what you think is fun to do and try to pursue one of the paths, whether it's quantitative journalism or more heavy on the coding end, because it's really hard to be both, <laughs> especially in first. And um, I'd also say... Don't learn everything at once, thinking you'll apply it in the future. Whenever you're starting to learn something, make sure you have a project that you would immediately apply your new skills to, because otherwise it will evaporate very quickly and you'll forget it and you will have wasted your time. However, because an interactive often requires active input from the reader and prompts them to act in one way or another to uncover new information, it can easily confuse people if the graphic is too complex or doesn't clearly explain why and how they're expected to do something. How can this be avoided? 
the solution we came up with on DFT Data Desk is to apply a couple of simple rules. So we basically try to make sure we have a narrative in the story that guides the reader uh, from one thing to another. If we have a lot of interactive elements or charts, we just make try to make sure that we explain what is it that they are looking at and why it's important and what conclusions they can draw from it. But we also try to structure our pages in a way that go from top line to more granular level in the data. So, for example, for our EU referendum results page, we would present the national results on the very top of the page and then uh, make sure we go down to the local authority level uh, on which the results were compiled and present those as well. This basically assures that the reader doesn't feel lost, that he's not faced with what we call a data dump. And in case of many stories, you can uh, apply one of the two approaches. And one is to explain to the reader what they are looking at and what the numbers mean. And the other is to let them explore on their own. It is very important not to get the reader lost at the very beginning when they land on the page by presenting them with a huge thing that they have to explore on their own. They don't know why, they don't know what they're looking at. So very often it's really good to explain first and let them explore later and leave it as an optional part of the story and not the main big thing that they are looking at when they land on the page. Like in any other thing in journalism, you basically start with a story and the story will determine what shape it should take on the page. Interactive is usually the highest level of treatment it can receive. And we are very selective with our projects, meaning that whenever we get a pitch, we try to decide, does it need the interactive treatment? Is it the only, is interactive the only treatment it can get to really tell the story well? And very often the answer is no, because a static chart or a series of static charts can make a better job at explaining it to the readers and make it more device friendly and make it less demanding for the reader, because it's a lot to ask of readers to interact with a page these days. And everything you do has to have a sense of purpose for the reader. Why am I asked to click this button? Why am I asked to provide any kind of input. Why are you asking me this question? I feel we are just trying to minimize the friction in user experience on our pages and interactive treatment is usually reserved for projects so complex that they cannot be presented in any other way. Once you've developed a clear idea of what type of interactive data journalism you would like to try your hand at, there are many courses and online resources available for those looking to learn on their own or as part of a group. But Vizhnevska pointed out that whichever way you choose, Setting some time aside for regular practice is important to ensure you achieve certain milestones and eventually feel like you've reached your goal. I think the opportunities are endless here and uh, it really depends what kind of learner you are. If you prefer to learn on your own, there is an amazing amount of courses that you can take online and it's Code Academy, it's uh, MOOCs available on Coursera and edX and other providers. It's lynda.com where you can subscribe and have access to many, many tutorials on all kinds of digital skills. But, you know, there are also other options like Knight Center for Journalism at the University of Texas provides regular courses, uh, regular MOOCs, uh, news design in DataViz. So you can have an online classroom. You don't have to do it on your own. On the other hand, if you prefer to learn in a group or, you know, have a, have a tutor of sorts, there is a lot of different meetups, for example, journal coders who tackle one skill or tool at a time by organizing sessions around tutorials and inviting people with prior experience who can answer questions or help you out if you run into trouble with a tutorial. There is Codebar.io, which is also a fantastic space, which enables underrepresented groups to learn programming in a similar, similar way to journal coders. And of course, you can opt out for a longer term course with providers such as General Assembly or Steer.me. 
where you code along with an instructor during a course, which lasts from one day to sometimes half a year. So it really, really depends on what's best for you. And I think being comfortable learning is one of the most important things and not to discourage you from it because there is a lot to take in. On the other hand, Elliot Bentley, graphics editor at the Wall Street Journal, explained it can be quite tricky to define interactivity. And often a good example might not even be one that requires the reader to spend all their time on the page clicking buttons. I would contend that the kind of phrase interactive journalism, interactive graphic is actually limiting that, that it makes it sound like it needs to be a thing with buttons, uh, inputs and clicky things. Whereas actually some of, I think, the best graphics on the web make use of kind of things like real-time data, infinite scrolling, other advantages that the web has over, you know, a static JPEG. It's not all about technical skills. That's something that is, you know, very deep and very important. But at the same time, certainly at the journal, we have very high charting standards. We have a very strict style guide as to how our charts should appear, how we should chart specific sets of data, how they should be labeled, etc. And those sorts of things, I think, really improve the, the quality of the graphics we do, having these rules. Unfortunately, it's not the sort of thing that kind of Code Academy teaches, but I think it's interesting to take a critical eye to charts. Even in you know, some mainstream newspapers, um, sometimes the quality of the charts can be fairly low. You know, cropping y-axes on bar charts, for example, is a big no-no. And so learning what is a, a great chart, regardless of the data, I think is an important thing to pick up. Going back to the importance of having a good data set as a base for your work, Bentley advised double-checking its origin to make sure it is reliable before you make it an integral part of your project. I think that there's this phrase, I forget where it comes from, but it, the idea of distrusting your data that unless it's coming from a really verified source. You, you see kind of data visualizations based on Twitter polls, for example, or um, yeah, a good example of bad data is uh, a porn website provided a publication with a data set of the IP addresses of all of its users. And so the publication works out which IP addresses are coming from which states in the U.S. Uh, so that they could produce a chart or a map of where the biggest consumers of pornography supposedly were. And a huge number, I believe, were coming from some central point in the U.S. to get which state it was. And so the headline was, you know, this state is consuming far more porn than anywhere else in the U.S. Unfortunately, it turned out that those IP addresses were not kind of geographically identified, so they were just defaulting right to the middle of the country. So it was basically everything else. So it's always important to think, especially when you're doing an original analysis of data, to be critical. And if you're feeling confident, developing an interactive that will work on mobile first and desktop second will not only show that you're aware of where your audience is coming from, but it can also be a useful exercise in figuring out if your graphic is too complicated or includes features that could be better conveyed in a different way. Traditionally, graphics in newspapers were art. It's a, you know, a, a chart to accompany a story. And in many cases, it still is. But what we've been moving to, towards in the journal, and I think certainly in many other newsrooms, is the idea of interactive graphics standing alone and telling a story in their own right uh, without kind of tagging along with an article. The thing is, on desktop, you can fill an article with lots of nice photos and little embed things, little tools, but I don't think that works quite as well on mobile. 
because you can end up filling the article full of uh, furniture, which then clutters it up um, on a very small screen. And I think it loses some of the impact as well that a kind of single, single graphic, a single standalone thing has on mobile. I always try and start from mobile first. Part of the reason is because it's simply harder to produce, to think up graphics for mobile because you have these restrictions on the amount of screen space, on interaction, you know, there's no hover. So if you start with mobile and come up with something great for that, then moving it to the desktop, translating it to the desktop is usually a lot easier than the other way around. It's interesting, this area of interactive graphics five years ago barely existed at all. I mean, even three years ago barely existed. And now is kind of exploding and there's so much interest in it and so many so many jobs going around. And I think it's kind of finally achieving legitimacy in the newsroom where several years ago, maybe it, was, it, it did not. So I think it's an excellent time to get into it. What have been some of your favorite examples of interactive data journalism from news organizations? Let us know on Twitter at Journalism News. And thanks for listening to the journalism.co.uk podcast. Thank you.